Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 93 of the Archaeologist Podcast, a show where we discuss everything and anything that has to do with Ark Survival Evolved. I'm your host, Sean D. Knight, and with me are a number of players that are here to offer their insights and opinions on the latest topics, strategies, and upcoming features or patches. As I call our participants for tonight, say hello to the listeners and how many hours you have in Ark. Rico. Howdy, y'all. Exact same number as last week, because I have actually not even played a video game in the last week. What? Yeah, I know. It's creepy. <laughs> And Altadine. 3,069. Uh, no late day this week and possibly no late date next week because he's off doing all kinds of sorted things and we can't go into details. Do you think he's going to get pickpocketed in Europe again? Probably. <laughs> Let's hope that's all that happens to him in Europe. Not going to go any further into politics. Back to the show. <laughs> yes. So uh, it was a close call this week as Wildcard announced an upcoming structure change only to quickly nix the idea after instant public feedback against the idea. The new small tribe servers have launched and seem to be successful. Additional changes to the code of conduct have been made. And we're going to talk about our early arc misconceptions. All this and more later on in this episode. But before we get to all of that, let's hit up the YouTube comments. Uh, Michael wrote, not enough Leg Day Enrico. I mostly agree with Leg Day Enrico. Enrico is a savage who speaks the truth. Sean, you are a beast putting it all together. The mastermind. Thanks for helping me survive Mondays. I play Xbox official, but mostly play Prim Plus. Smaller tribes with more actual PvP from my experience. Thanks for keeping me up to date. You guys are the bomb. What oh, about you. me? What you aren't here as often. <laughs> Nobody cares you know about uh, kind of weird, though. I've always had an. In I've always wanted to check out one of the primitive plus servers, just because uh, I don't know. It, it seems like there wouldn't be as uh, the wars would be so different. Oh yeah, definitely. Might kind of be the way I'd always envisioned them being. Oh, like I said uh, before we start recording. Definitely want to check out the small tribe servers and get in some of that action. But uh, Michael, glad you're enjoying it, and hopefully you'll continue to keep on listening. Now, next generation gaming rights. One question I've always had is, why do I constantly hear people complain about accidentally eating fertilized eggs when they try to drop it? Old interface or new, you have to go out of your way to click the egg and then click eat when there is a separate drop button as well as a drop keybind that also works on every other item. I don't know how more intuitive you can make it. Why do people screw this up so bad? I tried asking this question on the Reddit and all I get is hostility and no actual answers. As I can actually for... explain this. Okay. Okay, it's actually... Uh... A cognitive association problem. Mm -hmm. When you go to activate an item, your brain thinks, I'm going to use this thing. And yep. it's the way your brains think. Like, you don't think, I'm going to pick up that cup. It's, I'm going to take a drink. That That's the process that goes through in your brain. So when you go to use an item in a game, your brain tells you, I'm going to go use this item. Now, think about all the other items that you use in the game. What do you always press? That's the eat key for, a, for an egg. So rather than thinking, I'm going to drop this, they think, I'm going to use this. In your, uh, yes. in your cognitive uh, thinking brain, it's, I'm going to put this down, it's going to hatch. In your cognitive processes, which is most, more or less just automatic, you know, nerve responses, you just think use. And your brain will, you actually have to think about it. Yep. Now, if you so, constantly, I will say, breeders don't have this problem as often, because they're used to it. Pshaw. So, Psychology. yeah, it's really uh, muscle memory for the most part. And you got to remember that for a while, there was no drop button. The, the, the O did not exist for dropping items, which was really annoying. Yeah, those were unpleasant days. Very unpleasant. But, yeah, it really does 
boil down to muscle memory. And when you're not paying attention, you're going to eat the egg. I, thankfully, I only did it once, and that was when the uh, system first was introduced into the game. And that was a, a dialogue egg that I was uh, experimenting with before I hatched my first Rex. So, yeah. Uh, he goes on to write, As for macros, I saw a post somewhere from someone who was worried that BattleEye would catch their auto-hotkey scripts, and Jet replied that not only would BattleEye not catch it, but that Wildcard also does not care if people use macros of any sort, as long as it is not being used as an aimbot, as it is not changing or abusing game code, just simulating player input. I wish I could find the post, but it is several years old since then, however. I have used several scripts I wrote, such as the one that drops all berries, I don't want, which is quite useful when farming narcos. Yeah, a lot of people use uh, auto clickers, which are perfectly fine as well. Uh, Wildcard has gone on to say, on the for the record, that it's perfectly fine to use auto clickers when you're farming. Though they did make an exception for the macro that allowed people to farm their bodies for meat to feed the dinos. That's not allowed. So there are exceptions to some of these macros. Blazer Dude eighty nine writes. Pulling a bow back all the way does increase damage. I have tested it on unofficial servers where you can see damage numbers. And this is uh, regarding last week's podcast episode where we were talking about... I think uh, Drake was talking about the bows and that... Um, yeah, they don't you know, now that he says it, it, I actually... I, uh, I spent a lot of time la- uh, during the last months I've been playing on, on unofficial where we had damage floaters. And I, I actually think he's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only reason why you do quick shots with the bow is if you're using flame arrows and you're on the move. Well, yeah, essentially if you're doing hit and run tactics and you don't have time to draw it all the way back and you got to quickly. Well, I mean, also there, as much arrows. as you might get a little extra damage out of the uh, full draw splash effect of a flame arrow, the real damage of a flame arrow is the dot. So yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter how hard you hit them. Okay. Uh, last week we also talked about in our Arc Avenue segment segment uh, about shoulder pets. And uh, we still have a few more comments to go through, but uh, I just want to take a quick look at the poll again. It shot up to 394 votes in total with the Microraptor, obviously, in first place with 31%. Dimorphodon, 19. Vulture, 14. The Otter somehow got pushed up there to 9%. The Mesopithecus finally got up to 6%. 4% of you chose Jerboa, so all of you need to um, stop playing the game. Wow. Jerboa. And how adorable they are. Um, other than being adorable, they are kind of useless. <laughs> yes, they are. They're freaking useless. Okay. Hey, they are adorable <laughs> places to put stuff. That is worth something. Unless you're on Scorched Earth, then there's a little bit of something there. Then there's a little bit of use. But even then, still, level one, people. Level one teams. What, what is up with that? Ask Wildcard. What is up with that? You can All get right. them up to like four or five. <laughs> So there are a few more comments I wanted to read that regarding the poll. And uh, Bloodlist wrote, Otter is good because you can wear flak or right without worrying worry of taking extra temp damage or debuffs. But Microraptor is my go-to because it knocks people off mounts and stuns them. They're amazing and super fast. And they get pack bonus, which is a kind of neat extra thing that might make a difference someday. Uh, Snazzy Raptor wrote, there's no real pet, one pet beats all when it comes to shoulder pets. They have different strengths. However, I think the most useful are the following. Light bets can be valuable in large-scale PvP wars in order to counter Reapers, with Bulb Dogs having the additional utility of having insane weight if you max it. Microraptors can disrupt your enemies by stunning them and knocking them off of their mounts. Vulture Dimorphs 
These are tricky because they serve very similar roles and have almost identical stats. Dimorphs are great for chewing people off the back of dinos due to the higher base movement speed than vultures and the ability to whistle attack this target, which you cannot do with vultures. However, vultures have slightly higher base damage and have the added ability of attacking while still perched on your shoulder to increase your melee prowess. And then ML Grotato wrote, Light pets against reapers. Everything else is pretty much useless in PvP. It'll either die from getting chomped instantly or just being shotgunned. Shotgunning a shoulder pet seems kind of rough. You know, I, I've shotgunned uh, enough monkeys to know it's not, it's not a matter of just shotgunning them. Indeed. All right, so let's move on to threads and tweets. Flight School wrote, The current state of official PvP is Dinogate Metal Foundation spam, and it's absolute cancer. And he writes, Currently, all official raids or defenses end up as a foundation slash dino gate simulator. One side spams metal foundations and gates while the other side uses an absurd amount of C4 to clear it. The whole point of this game is to fight with dinos, but it just ends up being parasers stomping nonstop at gates while people on ground are constantly c 4 or placing structure spam. This goes on for hours and can go on for days. The Titan is not available on Scorched Earth or Aberration, meaning someone can go to a server and grief by simply spamming metal foundations on resource spawns or by base locations. It takes maybe an hour or two of farming to craft 1,000 metal foundations, but it takes days or weeks to craft 5,000 C4 to blow it all. Titan is not a viable option in raids or defenses anyways, as they are very squishy and can die in a few minutes. This current meta and state of the game will cause players to stop playing and already has. It needs to be changed ASAP. I have a few suggestions below, and maybe there are better ways to address it as well. Please feel free to comment below. C4 should give 2 per craft. Metal Foundation should take 2 C4 to blow if placed alone, 3 C4 if connected to another foundation, and 4 C4 if connected to 2 plus foundations. Metal Gates should take 2 C4 to blow. Metal Gates need a max placement in a small area, limited to 20 gates in a certain radius. Tag Tabajara needs a range nerf on damaging dinos from almost rendered range. Tech Tapajero needs an overhaul mechanic preventing people from shooting non-stop. The Tech Tapajero nerfs are crucial. Currently, it is absolutely pointless to get on a dino that does not have a box on it. You will instantly get picked or killed off by a Tech Tapajero. Whoo! You know, all I have to say about the whole uh, spamming thing, I do believe Wildcard recently had posted something that was supposed to be a way of fixing this problem, and then everybody complained about it. Mm Mm-hmm. So... I do agree that the Dino Gate famine, there should be a limit of how many you can place within a radius of each other. I really think that needs to be done because it is ridiculous and kind of makes the game pretty boring. As for C4 giving two per craft, I think not. I think the fact that he thinks it'll, it would take 5,000 C4 days and weeks to craft, you know, it depends on how you're set up and well, how I'm efficient you're... Well, it's going to take longer than crafting the, uh, the metal. Well, yeah, so. don't get me wrong. It'll take longer to craft than metal structures which uh, which is very true i did like the uh, the suggestion that metal foundations should take two c4 to place if, if they're by themselves three if connected and four if connected to two plus foundations i thought that was interesting and actually would make some sense personally for uh quickly uh, attacking a server that's foundation bombed the entire map i Attack- only worry with <clears throat> forcing you to not be able to put dino gates next to each other is imagine the damage that could create just building bases. As for the tech, you mean no more behemoth gate walls? <laughs> Are those overpowered too? No, they just annoy the crap out of me, and they always have. <laughs> well, it's either that or individual wall pieces that all have to load in individually. Which would you prefer? Yeah, shut your face. 
Be gentle. Oh, dear God. Okay, moving on. Cranky Canuck 92 says, Crab Anki Metal Farming and writes, Has Walcard been sneakily implemented a pay-to-win farming meta, or is it coincidence? Pre-Scorched Earth, Quetz and Anki, Overload Anki by Drop Pick, Drop Pick, or with two people. Max Metal per run depends on Flyer's weight. Scorched Earth, Quetz plus Anki plus Whip equals Overload Anki by Whipping it around or two people. Doesn't make sense, but Whip's hurt and stuff. If you don't have one, sucks to be you. Max metal per run depends on flyer's weight. Ragnarok comes and everyone has Scorched Earth engrams. Aberration, Crab plus Anki. Overload, overload Anki by moving it around with Crab. Throw the Anki home. One person can fill Ankies to slot cap, and Aberration itself is the best map for this method. Metal is not limited by weight per run. One person could fill multiple Ankies. You can fill any team to cap with any resource. Weight reduction is not necessary. Are these weight negating effects, whip, crab throw, intended features, or just bugs that weren't fixed because people like them? When the next DLC drops, will there be a new exclusive farming method? I've seen a lot of posts about people spamming metal gates and foundations everywhere in PvP. Maybe this wouldn't be so prevalent if metal was, you know, tedious to farm. Okay, first of all, he's not even doing it properly because those are antiquated. You want to really cash in on metal for aberration? Take a platform saddle, put it on a parister, put a couple body bags on there, take the Yankee out, then just fill the body bags while gathering metal. I, but I, I don't know where over- he gets the pay to win for that. He, he's overlooking the truth of the matter, and they're looking for different ways to, I wouldn't say improve, but make metal farming different. Mm-hmm. And it's it's causing unforeseen side effects that they're too lazy to fix because it's already been Im- implemented in the game, and the level of wine they would get for fixing it would be insane. Yeah, I mean, scorched earth metal isn't in great abundance on that map for the most part. You were better off going to Ragnarok or the center for metal farming. Island had a decent amount of metal, but not much compared to those two maps. So I oh. really, really don't see any reason to complain about metal farming let's let's take this back a step when scorched earth came out you couldn't bring a quetz over they had mm. no intention of you farming metal there regularly yep people had to I resort to the parasers parasers or uh yeah parasers bring it over there and do it that way it's just that there's not a lot of metal or dense metal deposits in areas no, i mean when we knew where there was a dense metal deposit i mean i remember some of our early trips be five or six of us on animal because we had to protect each other because it was the early days of scorched yep it was a whole thing metal took effort ah indeed indeed so yeah dude uh learn to play the game all right moving on i will not pronounce this guy's uh name because it's too offensive wrote never understood the saltiness until last night after reading tons of these fixer game posts on here and not being able to relate it finally happened we farmed element as much as we could on the weekend, we were going to hatch gigas and needed tech tech troughs. The hatching was supposed to happen Sunday midday because work and other obligations. We were just aiming to at least get them out of baby stage and then it would be smooth sailing. Everything was ready to go. To go, Grab my eggs, get them ready to transfer to our server, wait 30 minute timer, upload, spawn in, base loads in, go to download eggs, uh, 4 gigas, here I come. Drive member is doing the same exact thing his or in his inventory. Can't use consumables. God no. Lag. Loading screen. Relog. Server rolls back. Lost my four eggs. The trimate lost two, along with his inventory and a poison wyvern. At least I didn't lose my character, but the whole grind to set up a legit breeding pen just to lose the eggs did me in. Thanks, Obama. 
What's your biggest loss in arc story? Uh, this guy really needs to learn punctuation, by the way. Ah, punctuation's for amateurs. <laughs> so, another one finally figures out why so many people are salty about this game. I remember back when uh, I was actually afraid to transfer servers, because it was like, <laughs> every day I'd get on and one of our allies would be <laughs> about it. Yeah. I, like I said, I got really lucky because I never lost my character due to server transfer, but I was always careful. I would always make sure that the uh, that the server I was transferred was the same version of the game that my server was. Otherwise, that would cause a problem. I tried to stay away from Asian servers as much as possible because that was another reason why a lot of people were um, losing their characters. If I heard about unstable servers, I'd be like, nope, not going anywhere near those. So, yeah. I honestly don't have a biggest loss ever i mean the most entertaining one was when i was trying to fix some pillars that had found some pillars that had uh the industrial forges on them and i blew one up on accident get mm -hmm. half the materials back yeah i've been uh actually no my biggest loss wasn't because of an in-game problem but more my uh not paying attention that i was flying back with a full load of metal on an anki uh completely slot capped in metal wasn't paying attention, looked away for a minute or so as I'm flying back, knocked it into the cliff, and I'm in the snow biome, so I'm along the ocean water. Knocks it into, thankfully it didn't go into the deep water, it, it actually got stuck a little on a little jut of a rock, but I had to dump all that metal to save the Yankee, because that was a really good Yankee, but I lost 300 stacks of unprocessed metal because I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, I the game hasn't caused me to lose much. Maybe an egg or two when I was uh, trying to hatch them. And that's it. I've been lucky. I think most of us have been pretty lucky. I always tried to be on, you know, I always preferred to be hatching, growing on the main server. So, tended to have all of the, never never tended to take uh, eggs places unless I was making a delivery to a trading partner. Indeed. Okay, uh, Lonely Lone Warrior 80 has a suggestion, and he asks for shoulder mounts mount back after task, and writes, Shoulder mounts, mainly flying creatures, to be able to fly back onto your shoulder after you sent them out to do a task, attack, pickup, etc. Few reasons for consideration. Uh, one, it's very cool. Two, it's sometimes difficult, problematic, awkward, or just very tedious to get them back on your shoulder at all manually, especially flying creatures, and I like this. I don't know if Walker make it, could implement it, but it would be nice to have a remount option for your shoulder pets. Can you imagine the AI for that? <laughs> That's why I said I don't think Walker could do it. Yeah. All right. Um. So Community Crunch 134 came out this week, and there's quite a bit. They talk about small tribe servers, upcoming structure changes, and more. In terms of the structure changes, they wrote, Later this week, we plan to roll out an update that will make some changes to our current structure decay rules. In essence, we are redefining what we consider a viable minimum base or set of structures. Structures which do not meet this definition will rapidly decay, resulting in the ability to either destroy them by hand or have the server automatically destroy the structures when they are loaded or leave stasis. Our intent behind this change is to address structure spamming issues, pillar foundation spam, which often takes place when players attempt to claim or grief different areas of the map in both PvE and PvP. We anticipate that this particular update will be iterative, and there most likely will be additional adjustments in the coming weeks as we work to resolve this issue. Now, this caused a lot of instant griping and uh, complaining. More so the fact that um, no matter what they changed, the amount of structures that need to be connected to each other to circumvent the uh, rapidly decaying timers. 
they would just go that extra mile, whether you have to place four or five foundations together in order for the decay timer to not happen. Tribes are going to do it. Oh, yeah. I mean, the sad fact is that you're trying to fix a problem that, well, it's the players are just going to keep hardcoring their way into making it doing it again. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. And uh, I get why they're trying to do it. It's just the the way they were going about it just wasn't going to solve anything and make things worse. But I am surprised at the quick turnaround by Wildcard. Well, they know when they when uh, they're getting taken to task at least. Yeah. Now whether or not they learn from the, uh, from it is another story. Indeed. So, um, Intinger wrote uh, about the upcoming structure changes. Writing, uh, they are changing the way people would pillar or foundation areas. This is extremely concerning. People could and definitely will lose their lands and tons of tame. There are many valid reasons why people would block areas with pillars or foundations. Uh, to preserve resource spawns, to preserve dino spawns, to preserve access to or to an area, to buffer their base so they don't have a mega base neighbor in low distance, to prevent the spawn of harmful dinos near or in their bases, close gaps in walls or under bases. These can often technically be disconnected structures because they aren't snap pointed. I've already had issues with these decaying according to the current rules and had to snap things onto them to prevent them from expiring. But he wrote a very large and in-depth post about it and all pretty much all of them valid points and this prompted walker chris to leave a comment saying we're listening and discussing the next steps now and then integer you know interacted with them with a bit and uh intanger wrote thanks for listening by the way i heard a suggestion on this post that sounds practical enough to me it is to have a limit on how many builds you can have a fully connected base would generally just be one large structure pillars foundation would be independent builds that count against that limit to re- reiterate Whole interconnected structures count as one, but since blocking pillars and foundations are unconnected to anything, they also count as one each. Not sure what a good limit should be. I would imagine 200 would be reasonable on PvE, but I haven't checked the math and don't know what the normal usage now actually is. To this wildcard, Chris replied, It's an idea we've been toying with. One of the problems with it is that it would promote building large interconnected structures in those areas or paving. The concern about that, it was one of the reasons we backed away from our planned next step. It's a difficult problem, that's for sure. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, sad as it is. Yep. And then uh, eventually Wildcard posted saying that they would not go ahead with the structure changes uh, with Jet posting. Survivors, first and foremost, thank you. Since our announcement post yesterday, we've received an incredible, incredible amount of feedback and have decided that we are not going to be rolling out the structural changes this week. We've decided to step back and reevaluate our solution, taking into account the feedback you've provided. Our intent behind the main uh, behind the change remains the same. We want to address structure spamming issues, which often takes place when players attempt to claim or grieve different areas of the map in both PVE and PvP. However, we understand that there is legit- legitimate gameplay uses for these mechanics. We want to make sure that the inevitable change that we make recognizes and can differentiate between illegitimate and legitimate cases. We want to ensure that our change is a step forward for the game overall. We anticipate that this could be a significant change for the game, which is why we need the extra time to step back and reconsider all possible options. We remain vigilant and dedicated to addressing issues that affect the virus the most and want to be cautious that changes like these benefit players overall without causing more harm than good. Stay tuned as we're hoping to have more details on the update in the future, as well as the ability to work with you directly in determining the best solution. So yeah, they they backed away, uh, which was a good move on their part because imagine if they had to enforce this 
though I think they're eventually whatever changes they do make, they're going to have to have their enforcement team work on and deal with as well. Because you're going to have plenty of cases where an enemy tribe goes onto a, another tribe's home server and just foundation bombs the entire map, making it useless for that. Oh yeah, for I mean, the home tribe. even in the smallest wars I've ever been in, I saw we we saw a foundation bombing. It's a plague. Oh yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they come up with next, and hopefully they won't implement it until they hear the feedback from the community because, you know, the community knows for the most part how this game is being played and why these things need to be done. At least on the PvP side. PvE, them spamming everything is kind of stupid. Uh, That's the only way they can excise their salt. (laughs) So, um, Code of Conduct changes, and this fell under, really, the... They had a revision under Exploiting, and they wrote... Uh, attacking from, traveling through, or building in unintended game zones, duplication of teams, items, and characters, unintended building mechanics such as floating structures using the world barrier as a snap point, building a box on a platform saddle dino to completely prevent it from taking damage, modifying your game files to remove key graphical components, though I yet to see them enforce that particular one, attacking or blocking players through the terrain with dinosaurs that was added last week, Intentionally crashing server users or servers through DDoS or otherwise. Placing excessive quantities of C4 to prevent hostile C4 from being placed. That was added in last week, I believe. And then what was added this week was stacking multiple creatures inside each other's models via raising babies close together, teleporting them near each other, downloading them, etc. And this essentially was um, in response to a lot of tribes building a one-by-one foundationed area uh, with a box and then downloading all their dinos into that one-by-one box and storing them that way so it didn't take up so much room in their base. I would suggest Wildcard fix the problem of them downloading on top of each other. That, too, would help. How about you fix the problem of needing that many dinos to do anything? <laughs> about the kibble tree fix, huh? The kibble tree that? fix definitely, but you're always going to see tons and tons of war dinos. That's never yeah. going to change. Yes, but still, something. Right, but those those are the dinos that are being uh, stuffed into these one by ones. It's not the the kibble dinos; it's uh, the war dinos, Parasers, Brontos, Rexes, etc. Those are being stuffed in one by ones to save space in the base. Okay, um. They also launched the small... Just thought tri- of the image of a hundred uh, Brontos on top of each other in a one-by-one. One. <laughs> made my head hurt. And uh, it made me... It reminded me of that uh, Family Guy episode where Peter and his buddies were all naked on an island and they were <laughs> stacked on top of each other naked. <laughs> I appreciate the effort, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that was disturbing. Okay. So, um, the small tri servers launched this week and uh, they wrote... Tomorrow we will be releasing our first set of specialty servers on all platforms. These servers will be small tribe servers which limit the tribe size to six players maximum and alliances are not allowed. Server rates will be three times harvest, attainment, experience and will not be affected by evolution events. They will also have two-time maturation, two-time egg hatching, two-time gestation and 50% reduced maintenance intervals. These servers will undergo a trial period of 60 days. If after the 60 days they remain active, we will continue to keep the servers active. If after the 60 days the player population is very low, we will try a new game mode type and online new servers for another 60 days. So yeah, if they're successful, the servers will stay and I guess become permanent. Though I'd rather them do the trial and then reset the servers. Because I think a lot more people would want to get in on a, on a day one server on these small tribe servers than... Yeah. Of course, we've already seen uh, some complaints about the small tribe servers, and that's because of mega tribes. 
What? I know. Who would have no guessed? Line. So, uh, one uh, Reddit user named Banners121 said, Megas ruining six-man tribes already. And he writes, as the title says, Megas are already ruining the best idea Wildcard has had in forever by having multiple tribes in a server. I was just raided by 32 people at the same time with each tribe having color-coded armor and the word T in their tribe name. If any dev ever reads this, NA Rag 9 needs your help. And then uh, he did an update at Wildcard. The T invasion has started and they are currently starting a wipe on the server, counting at least 10 coordinating with fobs. The server has banded together, but the good old T life has come out and they are using, uh, starting to use aimbots, three headshots in a row off of Diving Griffin as proof, and the server could not hold them off. They rated with 10 plus gully, a giga, and multiple griffs all manned. I don't know what he meant by gully. Uh, Probably yeah, Gallimimus. Yeah, I guess. Who the heck would use Gallimimuses? Uh, I don't know. Grubble and I always used to try and uh, figure out if it was actually viable to uh, aim from those. And yeah, meh. <laughs> then he said they DDoSed the server, and he suspects of them duping. Three different T-Tribes pulled Wyverns and Rock Golems from green at the same time, but it's okay. A uh, guy riding around with a Griffin and a guy picked with a assault rifle aimbotting everyone across the map. You, you know, the problem is, is twofold. One, I think we called it a few episodes ago. Everyone who decides to cheat is going to name themselves T. We've yeah. already called this. It's so, probably not. Right. But th- there was a response from Walker Jen and, yeah, from Walker and Jen who wrote, we don't and won't allow teaming on these servers. We're currently looking into methods to better enforce this policy in a concrete and meaningful way to maintain the integrity of the mode. Rest assured, we see your comments and are aware of this issue. Um, there, there's there's no way to do that. There's none. What you gonna stop people from working together generically? What you can so, put a, a restriction order? <laughs> so they're not averse to letting people tribes trade between each other, but tribes ganging up on another tribe, things like that, they don't want to happen. Which I can understand why. Though once again, how they're gonna enforce that when their enforcement teams have enough to deal with is a completely different story. Oh, we're you being literally ganged can. up on three weeks later. Right. Do you have video proof you were ganged up on? Right. Exactly. And I think that's what it's going to have to boil down to. But uh, Walker and Jen also went on to say, this is one of the factors that we have to consider. Currently, speaking for myself, I do not see trading as something that would be a bannable offense. The social aspect of ARC is something that is important to maintain. I will speak with our enforcement team further on this so I can give you a more concrete answer. We recognize there is currently a lot of gray areas. What absolutely would not be tolerated is if you and the trading tribe teamed up together to fight a third tribe, 12 versus 6. Hopefully, that's a little bit of a clarity to where we're at currently, but as I said, we're in the process of laying down a concrete outline to make it more clear for players. Well, I don't unless... care what she says. Mm-hmm. I don't. It, like, there's no way. You're going to have to put a restriction to how many players are in a specific area. Yeah. Not not only that, but if they're going to enforce this, they've got, they've got to, and they still need a fast response team to instantly get on these servers while these infractions are happening or in progress. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh-huh. I don't see it happening, but it's what needs to be done if they really want to step up their game and try and discourage people. Though, would this, should this, or sh- would this, should this, should this be a bannable offense if you've got multiple tribes teaming up and attacking another tribe? No. <laughs> like, yeah. The entire point is this is totally and utterly impossible to enforce. Mm. No, there, there's it's silly. 
I mean, you got this guy complaining that T, those little cheating, well, I won't go any further. You know, a game in the system by taking the larger numbers, bringing them over, making multiple tribes, and then owning the server, obviously. But what's to stop this tribe from going to other tribes and doing the same thing in retaliation? My question is, what the heck do they have to gain from invading these servers? Probably a bunch of them with streamers, so content. Oh, right. <laughs> people like to watch other people be <laughs> on the internet for fun. I constantly forget that. Really Even though that's much. kind of my job. Yep. It's weird. <laughs> Um, so, with the launch of the new tribe servers and then being pretty successful, they added more servers. However, there are no OC small tribe servers yet, and this was asked by Strider109, and Gent replied to this saying, We do not currently have plans to bring small tribes to the OC region. This is simply due to the availability of hardware, which requires significantly longer to procure than North American and European hardware, and is not something we keep on hand. So, no idea when there'll be OC small tribe servers. Sometime between now and never. <laughs> they have to shut down more legacy servers first. They really just need to shut yeah. all the legacy servers down at this point. It was a dumb idea. Yeah. Can we can we get some quotes from Rico about sixty episodes ago? <laughs> I was saying that they should either that they should either leave them up fully or take them all down at once. Back then, if I'm remembering correctly. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I was more on the side of not wanting to lose what we had, but you know. Having already lost it, I have a bit of perspective now. <laughs> but if you hadn't lost it, then you'd be like, do not touch the legacy servers. Eh, well, I, honestly, I just don't like the way they're uh, doing it piecemeal. Uh, yeah, it's they should have just taken them all down and redid it. But they did it this way because they were trying to be clever by not proving themselves to be liars when they said we would never take down these servers. Oh, technically, they didn't take them down. Instead, they provided perfect reasons for people not to play on them. Essentially, uh, we're not supporting these servers anymore. Okay, last one. Veloc had a suggestion. Handcuffs that snap to passenger seats on dinos and rights. What would you guys think about handcuffed people being able to be locked to dinos, such as a Tapajara or Diplodocus? I know there's that weird zone where if someone wasn't in your tribe, they'd be riding your dino, but I don't see how that would be unrealistic, and the handcuffs wouldn't allow them to do anything but ride back with you. There would be some other cool aspects to this as well, but I think if we can already lock people up in chairs on platform dinos, I don't see why we couldn't do this. I, I, all I can see is a Diplodocus prison bus running across the server right now. Which is just an amusing thought. I know. <laughs> Get in the bus. But I, I actually like this idea. Especially if you're trying to take prisoners. I think it's an absolute waste of time. Well, yeah, but it'd be fun waste of time. Or or we could work on, you know, balancing farming mechanics versus cost. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. <laughs> I... Yeah, suggest they do something <laughs> useful. God, how dare you, ulti. You know what? Why don't we go fix the tooltip on fertilizers and not repair them first? <laughs> Why don't we do that? Because uh, that was brought up first. Yeah, that That is very true. <laughs> if we're going to follow the ticket system, we might as well do it in proper timing, okay? Wait, there's a ticket system? Shh. I don't remember anything <laughs> like that. All right, so let's move on to patch notes where there are no patch notes because the patch notes would have read a structure delay timer change or whatever they would have done but they obviously did not launch that this week so there are no patch notes as far as i'm aware as i checked so it is now time to pick apart the threads of conversation as we travel down memory lane on our way back to arc avenue 
Once again, not enough to make me groan. Ah, oh, I'm really failing. That's what three weeks weeks in a row. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And that one was a little cringy, but I mean, more in like a dad joke kind of cringy. Okay, so I'm slowly getting my mojo back. Okay, I can accept that. You had a mojo ever? Come on, throw me a bone. Uh, not if you're picking at it. <laughs> All right, so. Let's talk about early arc misconceptions now. This was inspired by a Reddit thread, uh, Reddit thread by Tam, and he wrote, "When I first started, I thought that the game items you got from diners were f- from other players they'd eaten." Share your new player misconceptions. Yeah, I had that one too. So the interesting thing about that is, I believe there was a video where Deb was talking about how. The concept was that for the players that died and their item caches were not recovered, the items would get um, split between wild dinos or the wild carnivores. And I can't, if I could remember where I saw that video, I would post it, but I cannot remember it. I but remember yeah, hearing something about that at one point. Yeah, it was floating around from the devs from themselves, if I remember correctly. So that's why everybody had this misconception back in the day. I still remember when I thought that the wild eggs you picked up in the middle of nowhere would eventually become dinosaurs. Would eventually become dinosaurs. Yes, so a lot of people had that misconception as well. Because there wasn't a kibble system for the longest time, but there were eggs to collect. Mine would have had to be... What do you mean, Zell? You put eggs in the cooking pot and it turns into kibble? What was that for? <laughs> oh my god, dinos tame faster? Oh, what? hey, you know what you do? You just knock out the Bronto, you give it some berries, and it's good overnight. It'll be fine. Yeah, though I did find it interesting uh, going back to Rico, where people thought that an egg you just picked off the ground would, you know, be hatchable. But you would think they need to be fertilized somehow, not just thrown around. Well, there I didn't know there were fertilized eggs. Well, actually, at the time there were not. There were not. I was just gonna say there were. There was no breeding system in the game or baby system in the game for what the first six months at least. Yeah, something like that. Um, how many people had the misconception that you could tame an alpha? Nope, I never thought that, actually. I know a couple people, when the Alphas were first introduced in the game, tried to knock them out and tame them. Though you could, at the time, when they first came out, pick them up with a Quetzal or an Argent, I believe. An Argent with the Raptors, Quetzal with the Carnos. I, it was, it, the, by the, they'd already fixed it by the time of the uh, Quetzal and Carno, so... Okay. But um, supposedly before I joined, it was possible to pick uh, up a uh, Alpha Raptor with, a, with an Argent. I never saw it happen, but... Yeah, it's it's tough because for us, it was a long time ago with these misconceptions. So it's hard to remember what we thought of back in the days we thought we could do or couldn't do. You know, I, I asked in Discord, but nobody really responded. So I guess maybe they were too embarrassed to uh, share their story. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones uh, that I had. And unfortunately, yeah, it's one of those things. It's been so long. What about the misconception for dino levels? I'm pretty sure that a lot of us thought that, you know, there wasn't really a, a maximum limit to what you could level your dinos up to. No, you know? no, it was, uh, I, I remember when I first learned it, because I, uh, I hit cap. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know how to breed dinos. So every conversation about breeding dinos with someone was absolutely infuriating. Well, didn't you just put them together and they get better? No, no, <laughs> that's not math. What about that if you force-fed your dino, you would tame it faster? Yes, I remember that one. A lot of people thought that was the case if you wanted it, because nobody wanted to wait hours upon hours for some of these tames. Well, when you first started ARC, it was like, what? 
what game would make you sit here for three hours to do that? <laughs> oh, this one. I actually did think that for the longest time that uh, force feeding your dinner would get it to Team Fest, but no, I would just waste the food and I had to scramble to get more if I didn't have enough. Uh, or how not, about... Not oh, mentioned, uh, if I remember correctly, force feeding them like that actually would uh, uh, drop their taming effectiveness, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I was just going to say taming effectiveness. How many of us, you know, would, as the, the um, unconscious bar would go down, would shoot our dinos again to make sure the torpor went up rather than force-feeded uh, uh, narcotics first tame, or berries. Uh, well, uh, we, did, we did that, but that was actually, if I'm remembering correctly, was we ran out of narca berries. Mm, yeah, um, I made that mistake with some of my earlier tames, I have to admit, because I didn't know that I could just force-feed it more narcotics. I didn't even know I could force-feed it anything while I was taming it at the time. Now that you know, you just punched them that first few days. Ah, <laughs> uh, back in those early days, I was knocking out, I was punching out raptors to tame them. <laughs> the, that was a fun time. I think I had, I, I can't remember if I posted up any videos of me punching dinos until they were knocked out. I don't think I did. I think I lost that footage. Shoot. Uh, to be honest, it's kind of why I'm uh, tempted. Uh, some of my, uh, some of the guys I, I uh, that bought the uh, that I bought the game at the same time as are wanting to restart over, and I'm, I'm half tempted because like none of them have, uh, all of them want a bunch of them wandered off and never played the game again. Mm-hmm. And it'd be kind of fun to watch people that are basically noobs all over again. <laughs> Just watch what, yourself. What about the misconception oh. that people thought that Wild Dinos leveled up in the wild? I do remember one of my uh, buddies thinking that, and me going, "Huh." I don't, I don't know because <laughs> you know you saw all the different level dinos out there but you know i think a lot of people didn't realize that they were respawning or you had to wipe them and force them to respawn if you were looking for high level dinos yeah and those they didn't seem the to, days. yeah and they didn't seem to take into account that other people players were killing those dinos to respawn more to get in order to randomly generate higher levels or that the dinos were the wild dinos were killing each other off and then causing resulting in dino, new dinos being respawned so yeah quite a few people thought they leveled up in the wild now i had to ask who here ate narco berries i did yep it's like eating the mushrooms for the first time you're like am i gonna fall unconscious but it had no nar- narcos have narco in the na- front of their name what i thought <laughs> they were okay. and i've and i've lambasted you guys for this for doing it but like if there's narco in the name of a food what makes you think it would be a good idea to eat you something? know there's coke in the name of a certain soft drink that works great as battery acid but that doesn't mean people don't drink it have you read the description on i have you i've watched people use it in place of industrial grease uh, degreasers <laughs> So uh, I didn't try any of the mushrooms when I joined Aberration. First off, I just waited for other people to try them before I started oh. figuring out what they yeah, did. That's I'm just how you about avoid the rare making mushrooms. mistakes. You wait for other people to make them for you. Yeah, yeah. The rare mushrooms I didn't eat for the longest time because I thought they would make me hallucinate. Right. Until somebody, you no, know, ate one, said nothing happened. But it sure as hell fills up my uh, food bar pretty nice. And then everybody started using them for food until Wildcard finally just what last. Late last year, added in the effects for rare mushrooms. Yeah, took them forever. <laughs> Two years in the making, but yeah, you're you're right, Ulti. That in the tooltip for rare mushrooms, you know, it said there would be some kind of side effects. It's yep, why I never bothered eating them. Oh, I felt like such an idiot when I realized that there was, nothing happened with the rare mushrooms. 
Like, wait, I could have been carrying rare mushrooms, which were so much lighter than anything else for food. Yeah, they gave like 20 each. Yeah. They were oh. a wonderful source of nutrition. Hmm. <laughs> trying to think what other misconceptions do we have or other people had? Oh, frogs are terrible underwater. Really? Yeah. The general misconception, like whenever you talk to people, is they tell you how terrible frogs were underwater. So I was like, you know what? I want to try this. And I did. And it was the best pet I've ever had for underwater. I, I was going to say, one of the first yeah. things I did with one of my frogs, I took it into one of the uh, caves that had a bunch of water in it. Yeah, everything I ever told while asking people about it, like, frogs are terrible. Don't use them. <laughs> my only complaint about frogs was was that they took, at the beginning, was they took too much fall damage. Yeah. Because we lost two of our first frogs to fall damage from their <laughs> own jump. Yeah. Oh, man. That was, oh. Okay, here we go. How many of us didn't realize you could drink water by just standing and hitting E, but we would just jump into the water and swim around until our water meter failed up for one day actually it was like two <laughs> hours but still i think it took me a full week to figure that one out or to realize that so i'm still not sure this day what happened when i first started playing arc but i i signed in i've made my character i logged on i'm on the beach so i i walked around for about 30 seconds something picked me up and ate me i'm like was that supposed to happen i never realized it was a player <laughs> I thought it was completely scripted. <laughs> so my, uh, when I first got onto uh, the first server I joined, there was the long process of getting all the way to where my friends had set up. And mm. as soon as I got there, I got shot in the head uh, by one of them. I'm on headset <laughs> with him going, uh, going, hey, is that you guys over there? Yeah, I think it is. Walk up. Hey, thunk. <laughs> 45 minutes later, I get back. You know, that was a misconception I had. So I was trying to coordinate because uh, I started this game with a couple other guys who wanted to play, but they quickly quit the game when they we kept getting raided over and over. And I was the only one to stay. So as we're coordinating, I'm pulling out my map and looking at the indicator on it. Saying, okay, so I'm here, here. And I didn't realize that the indicator on the map where that shows where I'm supposed to be didn't work and didn't move at all. So I'm telling the guys, okay, I'm, I'm here when I really wasn't. By the time I had found a location with the, it was at the Green Obelisk where I, I ran to for the first place to meet up with them. I didn't realize that the indicator had not moved from where I had spawned, I think, in the south. So I'm telling them, yeah, I'm in this corner. And they're like, what do you mean? And everybody didn't realize that the map indicator did not move and did not change. That was something that Wildcard finally added on official PvP servers, what, not even a year ago? Maybe six months oh, ago? Oh, yeah. I actually figured that out pretty quickly, that the map marker didn't change. But that's because, like, as soon as I could, I got my hand. I, I, I made an effort to get a compass and a spyglass, because in mm -hmm. any exploration game, those are important. See, I never bothered with this, the compass, because I knew... The sun rose in the east and set in the west, and that's all I needed to know. And with those three obelisks, I was able to um, figure out what direction I would be going. See, I prefer, uh, well, I mean, there's so much, I, back in those days, I spent so much time under a tree canopy. I could, I, I didn't, uh, there were times I just couldn't rely on uh, markers at a distance. Yeah. Plus, I preferred to stay under the canopy where it was harder to spot. Oh, uh. <laughs> I learned real quick, like, I got one of the first things after I got onto server, uh, I was, I was out exploring on the server, I started, I can't remember the name of it anymore, uh, but, uh, some naked dude, followed by three Argents, uh, found out much later that, oh, he was just out doing a metal run, um, mm. warned me that, you know, he, 
At night, don't carry a torch. During the day, stay under cover. So I, I took that to heart and just and just rolled with it. Yeah. <laughs> what about having to cook food for the first time using a campfire? What did you guys do? Did you, like, kill a dino and drag the body over to the fire and hope it cooked? Or Oh, no, I harvested it. I, I figured that one out pretty quickly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I actually remember was one player thinking that's how they had to cook the food, and so they're waiting by the campfire, waiting for the for the body to you know turn into some kind of cooked food for them or something like that. It's like that would have been awesome to be that involved, but no. <laughs> what about the idea that you had to stay next to the dino you were taming for it to tame? I still do that. <laughs> I don't. I've never believed I had to. But I don't even like to. I, don't, I I like to stay just far enough away from it that an enemy an enemy AI's AOE won't hit me, mm-hmm. but close enough that I can watch. Because most things that attack your tame are not actually attacking your tame; they're attacking you. Yep. <laughs> but there are a few things that'll go for your tames, depending on what the tame is. I have found the best way to tame things is to set up a generator and a couple auto turrets. <laughs> Doesn't matter where it is, so long as you got those turrets, right? Right. <laughs> See, I made it easy for myself. Where I was um, built up initially by the Green Obelisk, most of the dinosaurs spawns were in that area with a couple exceptions. And what I would just do was, since I had, I think, a series of four walls to protect my base itself, I used the, the first two outer walls to kite dinos into, lock them in there, and then I had a, a, a sniper tower where I would just shoot down at them and knock them out inside my walls so that I could just leave them alone and let them tame. Then I was really lazy. I didn't want to stick around and stand by my team. Why am I not surprised? I, I, I just protect my team. But then again, I from very early on after I joined Beast, I, I was used to people screwing with our teams. Mm-hmm. Especially if they knew it was mine, because I managed to <laughs> off so many people. <laughs> the only person I had to worry about was Hitler. I still remember <laughs> the day he called an unofficial truce with me. We were just bored hunting each other. That was all. What about misconceptions about prime meat? Any for there that? Are, there aren't any because it expires right away. Yeah, that, that was pretty much my problem. The early thing I didn't. I, uh, why did you use prime meat on that? How? I actually had an intricate. Well, not intricate, but so the way I tamed dino with prime meat was that uh, I'd knock out the dino, and then I had a couple fridges right next to the area where it was knocked out, and I would just constantly drip feed. Prime meat from the fridge to the Rex, fridge to the Rex, fridge to the Rex. It was so freaking uh, tedious. After I learned about um, starving the dinosaurs, Mm -hmm. I would uh, kite something that I knew would give a lot of prime nearby and knock it out and just keep it knocked out until I was ready to harvest it, uh, harvest (laughs) it to feed them. But that was, uh, that was, that was uh, the first time I ever did that was just after the war with Bastardos, so... Yeah, when I found out that I could just starve my dino, I slapped myself in the face for... Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Would have saved me so much running back and forth between the fridge and the dino to drip feed it prime. Oh, that was cancer. The many things that we didn't know we could do. (laughs) What about when they introduced Plan X's for the first time? Oh, the first time I got hit with a Plan X screwed me so bad because I got hit with 12 of them at once. And my my dinosaur went flying from the pushback mm-hmm. effect because I yeah. was on a raptor. I remember hearing that you had to, you know, obviously pick them in order to get the plant X's, but I wasn't sure, so I was just randomly going around the bushes 
The funny part was up. I spot uh, the date uh, it hit. Um, I had been staying at a. I had actually logged off at one of our um, uh, mining bases uh, pretty far away, and I was coming back on uh, on my on my speed raptor, and I came across a plant X for the first time, and I harvested it, and so it was just pure luck. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, of course it, I get questioned for for like half an hour by Dan about exactly where I was when I ran into it. <laughs> so we go back and harvest it a hundred times. Yeah, it took me a couple hours to realize and find out that uh, in order to get the planet seat, you had to go find the red plants that normally grew on the mountains, top of the mountains for the most part. And boy, was that a pain because you know the Alpha Tribes and the uh, Griefers. All built up on those mountains. Oh, so I, I, I still remember having sneaky. like if I wanted to go up onto one of the mountains that uh, Yoda built near, I'd have to I'd have to message ahead to one of the guys, uh, the other guys at Bastardos, to make sure that they got uh, they put him on a leash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nah, man, I had to be sneaky. I, I went at night where nobody would really see me, and I spent I think it was fifteen twenty minutes before I finally got my first Plan X seed. And I zipped out of there as fast as I could because I had the misconception that um, like it is with the crop plots, when you plant something, they'll make a seed of that, of what was planted. In the, uh, yeah, yeah. And I thought the plant X would do that, but nope, had to go back and get more. Oh, those days when we didn't, when we need well, the, the days of, of not having any clue how to get a certain resource, like trying to get my hands on uh Freaking, um, just just the advanced crop plots back in the day. And shit. Mm, uh, it, was yeah. just, it was horrible. <laughs> uh, Misconceptions. Early game. I don't know. Saying hi to people. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, try to be friendly. Although, when I first arrived on <laughs> Server 8, Trog was on at the time, so... <laughs> And this was back in the in in the days of you know Zen Master Trog. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I had some really good neighbors, and uh, I would help them whenever they would be raided by other small tribes. Though when it came to Bastardos doing the raid, and I said, "I'm sorry, guys, I, there's only so much I can do to help you. That I can't deal with. I can't handle Bastardos on my own." Though at the time, I wasn't telling people I was a solo player. I was telling them our my tribe was. First you know. time I ever heard an auto turret go off was from Sean's base. <laughs> I was on my I was on my uh, second Spino, the one that lived, mm-hmm. and I was just wandering uh, around the map because it was a really good Spino and had really high couple of stats. I had so many best out of players die to my turrets, and I thought, okay, this is this is the this is the moment where they just come and wipe me. But I, I'd get in charge with, um, oh, I can't remember the leader's name at the moment. It wasn't Gludor who was one of the leaders. Uh, Horiel and Gludor were the were sort of the leaders of the their their leadership council. Mm-hmm. Horiel was the one that uh, was the best to get. If you could get in close with her, it was great because she was the undisputed queen. And uh, <laughs> the problem was for most of us, she at the time when I first met her, and you were on the server longer, she spoke absolutely no English. Yeah. Um. The first few conversations I had with her, at first I had to, uh, I had to, we, it was a two-way emoji conversation. I don't speak emoji. <laughs> I, it, I had to sort of muddle my way through it. Eventually, she started being able to pick up enough English that as long as I didn't use contractions and I stuck to, you know, common words, she'd be able to understand what I said. But she still had to respond in emojis. <laughs> And All then right. finally, finally, I started being able to have a conversation with her, but I ha- it had to be quiet because uh, uh, she, she always had a low mic and I had to be able to parse through what she was saying. 
All right, guys, I think we'll end it there. For those of you listening, if you want to share your early ARC misconceptions with us, let us know in the comment section. Let us know in Discord. And we'll read them out in next week's episode. Apologies for being late this week or later than normal. We or I had some last-minute scheduling conflicts on Sunday where we normally record. But this will be up on Tuesday. We'll see if there's a new patch out for the week. And then we'll see you next week. Just a reminder for you guys, we do have the Arc Avenue segment where you can ask us Arc-related questions or ask for advice, and we'll answer them here. It is time to close out episode 93 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Thank you to our participants this week, and thank you for listening to us on YouTube. If you have enjoyed this week's episode, feel free to like and share this video and subscribe to the channel. You can also leave comments or questions for us in the comment section below. Goodbye and stay alive, survivors. arc-related questions or ask for advice and we'll answer them here <laughs> there are two mormons handing out books they're knocking on my shed <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh that's uh, funny <laughs> i'm so, just gonna uh, stare and watch them be stupid wow wow all right well it is time to close out episode 93 of the archaeologist podcast thank you to our participants this week and thank you for listening to us on youtube if you have enjoyed this oh, week's no, episode feel bad about feels- that <laughs> wow. Wow. i'm gonna tell be nice to some mormons okay See, see you later. That was easy. All right, let me do that last section again. It is now time to close out episode 93 of the Archaeologist Podcast. Thank you, Darcy. You mean you're not going to leave in the morning oh, part? My God, I hate <laughs> you so much. I, I, why uh, did I not expect it? Well, how did I not expect you to do that? You didn't do it for the intro. You might as well do it for the outro. Well, I mean, you left me this golden opportunity. <laughs> All right, third time's the charm. <laughs>